And we're back. Good morning, good afternoon, good night, whatever time of day you are choosing to listen in. Welcome to the Dialogue Podcast, aka the D, with Trina and Marie. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you for tuning in and uh, (laughs) joining in once again this week. We are gearing up to discuss. (laughs) We are gearing up to discuss childhood traumas. (laughs) Childhood traumas and how they affect our next generation. Um, Are we... Are we kind of over, like, because of the traumas that we may, I say traumas liberally, because some of us just call it reason, like, you know, we just had some good home training, mm. and <laughs> some other of us, other people call it trauma, other people may Got call it. it trauma, and due to those um, home trainings or uh, traumas that we may have experienced due as to those children, disciplinary actions that we receive, sometimes it's not even dis disciplinary action sometimes it's just legitimate traumas that may have happened to us as children Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but due to those traumas or training home trainings or disciplines um do we overcompensate with our children nowadays so it's like because we may have experienced something do we go out of our way to make sure that our children don't experience the same thing and is that to their benefit or detriment Mm -hmm. Now, I know it kind of seems like this is the first time we actually just dove right into the topic. Like, we got straight to it. I think it's because we have quite a bit to say. But, of course, before we do, (laughs) let us bow our heads in podcast prayer. Thank you. (laughs) Marie, take it away. The opinions expressed in this podcast are our personal opinions and must not be construed as representing the opinions of any institutions with which we are or have been affiliated with in our professional lives, a.k.a. do not come for us. Okay. So, childhood traumas, home trainings, and the like Mm -hmm. affecting our next generation. So, being that I have no children of my own, I don't know how I could say whether I have taken some of the things that I learned as a child and passed it on. I don't think you need to have children of your own because you have plenty of nieces and nephews that you have uh, an, an influence on, even a hand in raising. Okay. But the topic is, am I I overcompensating for childhood traumas? I don't particularly think they are traumas. They are some things that I was raised to do that I now see the whole point of. At the time when I was a child, I didn't see the point of of some of the things that I was, I'm going to say trained, I'm I didn't see the point of some of the things that I was trained to do, but um, as an adult, I see what their purposes were. They were to keep me off the nerves of the adult that is watching me, and I am greatly appreciative of it. 
Um, and I tried to pass that on to my nieces and nephews so they can stay off of my nerves. Thank you. <laughs> I am sure that that is not the only reason in which some of the trainings were utilized for, but I can attest to say yes. Yes, you do pass that on. <laughs> and I, I can speak that from experience of watching you with my child. But um, I guess one of, like for an example, one of the things I think about that I can say I have overcompensated with is just, you know, we kind of grew up from a time where like kids should be kids should be seen and not heard right right so you know a lot of verbal expression dependent upon how you did it wasn't necessarily acceptable acceptable Mm -hmm. there you go that i definitely said i was going to attempt to change that this generation around um encouraging my 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 daughter to to express herself um but i definitely learned that balance is needed because (laughs) 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 you can express yourself and that's all that's all great but there is a time and a place to express as well not at auntie tina's (laughs) (laughs) um you know, it, there, there, it comes with a certain extent. Mm-hmm. I know for me, especially like with, with disciplining, there was a lot of discipline, but not necessarily a lot of explanation as mm-hmm. to why. It was just, well, don't do that. And if you were to even be bold enough to ask why, the answer would usually be because I said so. Period. That was that was it. It was just because I said so. That's why you don't do it. A lot of that is even like, or even when, if, you know, if you were spanked, I won't necessarily say beat because that can lead into other things. But abuse, yeah. Right. <laughs> if you were spanked, abuse. no, it's called it discipline. Was discipline at that time. It was discipline. Um, it's when they spanked you out of love. <laughs> but there wasn't a lot of explanation. I don't know for you, but for me, it wasn't so much explanation like there wasn't a lot of talking to to where i make sure to to do that now i am i am definitely a parent who disciplines in the same manner if i have to i have to say that i i haven't had to do so a lot with her but she's she's gotten it quite a few times um but i also make sure to take the time to explain to her so that she knows the reason why i'm spanking her you know, and because I'm also teaching her to express herself, if she has questions or anything like that, then we'll have those conversations later. Mm-hmm. You know, but I don't want to just, you know, beat just to beat just 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 because I'm angry. Right. Because I'm angry or because you keep doing this or you keep doing that. You're going to keep doing it unless I explain to you as to why, you know, it's, it's not it's not right for you to do or why you're in trouble or anything such as that. Right. So those type of things I do find myself like overcompensating for. Mm-hmm. And I've in doing so, I've also realized, okay, this isn't really working. Mm-hmm. I see why they did it when I was young, but... Those who don't hear must feel. <laughs> I, I also see <laughs> that there is a need for balance in doing so. Mm-hmm. 
Like, I think one of the episodes where I was speaking about how I feel like this generation is soft, mm-hmm. I think they're soft because... You keep talking to them. But go ahead. <laughs> that too. The overcompensating. You gave them way too much ability maybe to I should, speak. Maybe I should have saved those opinions for this show. <laughs> <laughs> Everything I said in that show, I meant it for this show. Oh, is that right? This is the reason why. Mm-hmm. It's that overcompensating. I think our generation dropped the ball with this new generation of children that are coming up. And just Y'all kinda, dropped the ball. Not everybody. <laughs> everybody the every, whole generation. Everybody has an influence, okay? Mm-hmm. We dropped the ball with this new generation that came up. I didn't drop anything. <laughs> I did not <laughs> with drop this new this generation ball. that came up. You just kept we ducking. We as a you generation... <laughs> Just kept ducking the ball. Y'all were playing dodgeball. Did not come together. (laughs) And I was trying to play catch. For these children today. And they came up in in certain areas softer than we were. As my grandmother would put it, y'all, you come up with too much opinion. Yes. Too much opinion on things. I still say the same thing. It's a good and bad thing. Because they acknowledge more. Than I think we did. Absolutely. Or we were allowed to, maybe. But at the same time, we acknowledged they're more that. offended than I feel like our generation was. We acknowledged it. But we also acknowledged it in the in the terms of this is the way it is. And we accepted it. And we learned to work through it. That's our generation. Mm. Did we really though? Because we still have a, a lot, lot of, of our generation who are still attempting to work through it now. Right, but at least, at least, we we came from the acceptance. I feel like, like our parents' generation was the creation of it. Like when times were changing for them, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, it depends on how old your people are. Mine's are, you know. The person I live with lived through the world war so their time was changing so they lived on a completely different level and then the way they raised their children and in my case grandchildren was survival <laughs> uh, i'm sorry please forgive the background snoring yes she she has her offspring in her hands again today sorry he's fast asleep heavy heavy breather Heavy breather. He need a CPAP and he just got hit. <laughs> Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> My boy. He's enjoying his sleep, all right? <laughs> Continue. Continue. Right. So, um, yeah. My grandmother's generation was kind of on survival. And then when I think about my mother, she was also kind of on survival mode because, you know, she was like coming from a different country to here, you Mm -hmm. know? So it was like getting used to this way of life, of the American life that she now was given in her early teens, you know? Mm -hmm. So... It, it, it's a different it's a different lifestyle so they they like I said home training they trained you in that way the the way that they could in order to survive so I would say 
if you're coming from that type of home set where you might be children, you might be children of immigrants, you had a completely different way of thinking. I agree. You could be living, you can be living in one country, but by the time you get home, you're you're living. Right. I was American at else. school. I was. But you were something else. <laughs> definitely something else when I got home. Correct. Because I couldn't do what the um, your other kids. <laughs> right. I could not do what my friends did, and that had nothing to do with the color of my skin. <laughs> that just had to have been where we were from. So. There's a lot of different factors that play because there were, to be honest, there were references even with skin color, you know? Mm -hmm. That's what they do. That's not what you do. Mm -hmm. And then there's also references in where you come from. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what they do. That's not what you do. For uh, for us, it was class. There's also class. The different classes. All of those different factors, um, you know, come into how you were brought up. Mm-hmm. But I still think it reaches the same point as to different things that we've experienced. We now turn around and say, you know what? I know how I felt going through this. I don't necessarily want, you know, this child to feel that way. So let me see how I can tweak this and change this to to relay possibly the same message, mm-hmm. just not in the way that it was given to me. So how did you feel? Well, this one thing I felt was oh, I didn't feel like I was hurt. the best piece of sleep I ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so strong. Will you let my man snore in peace? <laughs> can, can we record in peace? Like, sheesh. You getting into it and he's like... <laughs> <laughs> one thing for me, I felt like I wasn't necessarily heard as a child. Mm-hmm. I mean, granted, I didn't talk much as a child. <laughs> I was just about to say, sis, what you just said speaks volumes about who you have become. I didn't, I you didn't, didn't feel talk hurt. much as a child. But you sure didn't say much either. <laughs> that can be the reasons why I didn't talk much as a child. I don't mm-hmm. know. I, I wasn't so verbal. Mm-hmm. I really was a quiet, very, very shy child to myself. I played to myself and everything like that. And that's how I was around immediate family, mm-hmm. you know? Um, especially even once I got older, mm-hmm. going into teen years and stuff, I really didn't talk much. And that came from not feeling like I was heard. So I wanted to make sure that my child knew I'm listening to you. And with that, you can talk. You can talk. You can verbalize. That doesn't mean it's going to change my decision on things that I've said, but you can express yourself. You know, and I mainly did that because I wanted her to feel comfortable in. (laughs) I'm I'm sorry, I heard that one. Somebody get a CPAP for the baby. He is in it. He is out here starting starting this engine to keep stalling. He is in it, baby. Hold on, let me. Let me change the position. <laughs> As TVJ said, reposition yourself. Jeez. This baby. Sheesh. 
All right, all right. We're gonna we're gonna try this again. Is that better? <laughs> now we just get baby coo. <laughs> Mm, See? Eyes are rolling and everything. My girl said, I want my kids to be heard. He said, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> he said, absolutely no problem, Mom. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, you hear that purr, Mom? <laughs> I, um... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that that ends my spiel for that. I don't, I don't even know where to pick up from there. Sorry. So pick yeah. up your baby. That's what you need to do. Oh, trauma. Oh, yeah. All right, back to your um. Yes. Kids being able to speak. Like uh, I wanted to her expression. to be able to feel free in expressing herself, and understand that you know. Not everything, even though you express yourself, doesn't mean that it's going to change minds. Doesn't mean that it's going to to instantly alter a decision. But sometimes it can. Most of the time, it feels like. How you mean? Probably for her. Oh, oh, it feels like that, you said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, but don't you feel like you're setting her up for an expectation from other people? Because how you treat her... Mm-hmm. And being that you are the you are the most influential person in her life because you are around her twenty four hours a day, mm-hmm. what you do matters. Mm-hmm. So when you when you do do that, right? Mm-hmm. And she she is extremely extremely intelligent, your daughter, and she picks up patterns and she knows what to say and how to say certain things, right? Mm-hmm. Do you understand the amount of disappointment she feels and the rejection she feels when she doesn't receive the same amount of attention from others that you provide her with? I don't provide her with it all the time, and it is also a part of life. Like when, you know, there's a, they say, what, it takes a village to raise a child? Mm-hmm. So when my village kicks in, mm-hmm. and let's say even for you, Mm-hmm. When you speak to her or when you discipline her, so sometimes she might look to me for approval. Like, you know, are you going to step in? Are you going to say something? Can she talk to me like this? And I, w- I will say yes. Yes, she can. And this is all a part of that learning. You get one experience with me. You get another experience with her. You get a, an experience at home. You might not be able to get that same experience at school. Mm-hmm. Everybody is different. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like that teaches her not only do you allow that to change who you are, mm-hmm. you still you still stand in who you are. Mm-hmm. You just learn how to appropriate yourself in whatever that situation is. Because there are times when you have spoken to her, and she doesn't get that same reaction when she comes to you like like she comes to me, mm-hmm. right? And she's shocked. But then it doesn't, it doesn't deter her from wanting to express herself because then on the way home, she'll want to talk about it. Is that and right? And then we express, and I talk to her and I, you know, we go through all the different things and it's like, it still is in her to express herself. If you feel some kind of way, express yourself. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean it's going to change how Auntie Tina talks to you or mm-hmm. disciplines you. If Auntie Tina doesn't want to play today, you know, she doesn't want to play today. 
That doesn't mean that she doesn't love you. That doesn't mean that, you know, uh, and we go through all of these different things. So she is still expressing herself to learn mm-hmm. the different dynamics around her. And that's my main thing that I wanted her to take away from it is to learn to talk up and learn to express yourself. It's not going to change how other people act all the time, mm-hmm. but don't allow it to change you. You know what I'm saying? Or don't allow it to shut you down and shut you up. What is my main thing that I feel quite accomplished with? I mean, she's not old enough yet, and there's still a lot of a lot to come. But I feel if we instill it in her from now, mm-hmm. then it only gets easier later on. You know, she feels comfortable in saying, "Hey, I want to talk to you." She completely threw me for a loop one time with her cousins at the house. Mm-hmm. And I think they all disagreed on something. I see. see. <laughs> they all disagreed on something. And she came with the, she came with the grown, the grown talk of, I think I was in the bedroom. They were out in the living room with something playing. And she came and knocked on the door and said, uh, mommy, can I, can I talk to you? <laughs> I heard the seriousness in her voice. Right? I need to have a word. Right. <laughs> I said, sure. Something was put on my heart, and I think I need to speak with you about it. I said, sure. So she came Do in. Do purple people eaters really exist? <laughs> hold on. Hold I'm on. sorry. I'm trivializing it, get, it but it, it gets better, though. I'm sure. When I told her, sure, come in. Come come in. Let me see what. So she walks in, and right before she gets ready to say the first part, she says, wait, can, can I close the door? I said, oh, she must be serious. This is a serious conversation. I said, sure. She's about to tell you how she feels. Right. I went ahead and I said, sure. I let her go close the door. And on the inside, I'm telling myself, this little girl is serious. Do not laugh. She she is serious. She's about to bear her heart. (laughs) Do not chuckle. So she came in and she, she felt some kind of way about something that one of her cousins said. And of course, it's. It's small matters. They're kids. But, you know, it, it meant something to her. And I have to say, I felt quite proud that she felt okay enough that once it happened to come and talk to me about it. Mm. And that's the goal that I wanted all of this to add up to. I wanted her to feel comfortable enough to come and talk and express herself. Mm-hmm. And then later on that evening, when I told her she was nervous about how they would see her if she didn't want to participate in something. Mm-hmm. I said, wait, if you don't want to do it, just say you don't want to do it. Or she knew that she was near tears and talking about something. She was like, but I might cry. I said, it's okay to cry. If you don't want to talk about it, say you don't want to talk about it. It's all right. Later on that evening, about an hour later, here comes one of the little ones saying, you know, questioning her why she looks like that or why she sounds like that. And I heard her, I just don't want to talk about it. I said, I said look at her, just picking it up. Like and later on, they all got together. They talked about it. They hashed it out. They went about playing. But it's so different from how I grew up. Mm-hmm. You know, if if we all got the arguing, we all got disciplined, we all got separated, sit down, you know, all right, playtime done. Everybody sit down. It was, that was it, you know. There was no, all right, what's going on? Oh, you feel this way or you feel that way? Well, I do I mean, that. Yeah, I, I honestly feel like there should be conversation. I didn't have siblings like that. All mm-hmm. my siblings were 
much older and could hold full conversations. I had to catch up quick. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, so the people who I grew up around, it was like I had to express myself. I, they was not about that crying. They was too old for that. They was too old for all the crying, all that noise. They don't want to hear it. If there's something wrong, tell them what's wrong. So I had to learn to express myself very quickly. And um, why was my main question that I wasn't allowed to ask? They would say, Tina, go do this. I did not say why. (laughs) I would go do it. And then very later on in the evening after everything's been done, I asked, so why did we do that? And I would say we because it would make it seem like I, you didn't ask just me to do it. This was a group event, and mm-hmm. why are we doing it? And I got an explanation. I just had to remember when to do it because it wasn't when she told me. So when Granny would say, Tina, go and get such and such from the kitchen. It's in this drawer. I did not ask her why she asking me. You didn't ask at that time. I, didn't ask, I learned not to ask at the time. Do what I was told first, mm-hmm. then ask questions later. And they would just hope that I would forget. <laughs> but I was a, I had a very good memory. Mm-hmm. And so while we were playing said game, memory, I would uh, bring up any questions I had throughout the day. It had throughout me throughout the day, ma'am. I had questions, and I kept them to myself until we had a when we were playing games. I had I, they had me on a schedule because of my attention. I had, you know, I had a short attention span, so they had to keep me on a schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, the longest thing I did during the day was play the piano as fast as I possibly could. That was <laughs> that was something I'm just realizing to, to like right now that how fast I would play my pieces, and I would get yelled at. They're like, "That's not how it goes." I said, "Well, those, those are all the notes." <laughs> I didn't learn about tempo. Like, I learned it, but I didn't pay any attention to it. Like, tempo, all that other stuff. All When, you know, the timing and everything mm. met, meant nothing. It was done. Done. <laughs> it, it, it didn't put no change to the practice time at all. And, and nope, nope. She was like, oh, okay, now do it 16 more times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just be like, no problem. Then when I get to to my lesson, my teacher's like, can you slow it down? I don't know how. <laughs> I've been practicing it at this speed all this time. She's like, it's a slow song. How did you do it? <laughs> did you count your notes? No, I played the notes. And I played it in the way that I heard it. And I sped it up. That was my, my trauma was the piano. I hated practicing the piano i promise you the one song the my biggest childhood trauma is rock of ages oh my god the hymn yes because if i played all my pieces and i had time granny would hit me with a tina play rock of ages jesus And I had to play it slow at her tempo. So she would, she found time to be rock of ages for me. I was like, no, can we speed this up? My 
God, I will never let my child sit through that. I don't care what service we're at. We could be at somebody's funeral. If Rock of Ages comes on, me and my kids are leaving. (laughs) (laughs) I will not, I will not let them sit through that. They will never know the Rock of Ages. They will know it in poet form. Rock of Ages. Cleft for me, but we not about to play it or sing it. I mean, I think, I think certain things that are being done today are are useful but i think i think this whole generation just missed the whole key of balance because we've gotten to a point now where discipline is termed as abuse Mm. that the lack thereof is quite evident in how you know certain behaviors and attitudes and even mindsets go i don't think that when like when we were getting disciplined mm-hmm. at that time, um, sometimes as harsh as it as it was, um, abuse was just different. You know, it wasn't whether you got the belt, the cord, the shoe. That that wasn't necessarily, I guess, abuse to at least a lot of the people that. Um, I know that I've talked to that experienced it. Like that wasn't our, our like, our definition of abuse when we would hear of children or people being abused. Right. Or we go down the list of oh, what you been here with? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> An extension cord, yeah. hairbrushes, chancletas. <laughs> that wasn't. That abuse. Just, yeah, that was just that was that was discipline. Okay. You, you you got, got in, in trouble, trouble <laughs> right? You got in trouble for something. But I think as we got older, we also appreciated that because some of us grew with that and we can see how it was a benefit to us and how we appropriate ourselves as adults. You know? Um now, how we pass that down to kids might be something else, but we definitely we definitely appropriate ourselves differently as adults coming from that generation that that got disciplined. I won't say got beat because then there were <laughs> generations just keep shying before away us. from that beat word. Michael made a whole song about it. Beat it. <laughs> There was a generation before us, mm-hmm. before us, before us, that got beat, too. And that played a whole different, you know, right. we used thing to look on at their mindset. That as abuse. We'd be like, yo, you got built, beat by what? Because <laughs> we thinking about, like, y'all getting beat by industrial products, but that's probably what you had, you know? Right. Go outside and go get a tree. <laughs> beat you with the tree. I mean, I I listen to stories from from my mother of of certain things, and I'm just like, in my head, I'm just like, no, that's. Mm. But I'm sure that was abuse. Okay. But I mean, who was going to tell your aunt that at the time? I, mm. Abuse wouldn't have even left my mouth. I would have just taken it and called it a night. You know what I'm saying? So I have a question in regards to that. Uh-huh. Okay. In regards to what we consider, how we considered those things disciplines. And being that we are American and we do have a past, how much of that type of discipline was 
learned from that's it see where you're going already <laughs> all right you picking up what i'm laying down marie um how much of that discipline was a learned behavior from oh gosh if past you, injustices as being slaves if you want to go that route i'm not well i don't want to go the route i just want to go that it route. just crossed my mind okay it, well it, just Let's keep heading down mind. that road. No, I don't want to go down that road. <laughs> I don't want to go down that road. But I'm just a... saying, we call it like, the, as I said before, we seem to be the type of generation where we recognize things. Mm-hmm. Same way you said, you probably would have, you know, the things that your mom told you about how she was disciplined, you would have been like, yeah, that's abuse. But you didn't say it. And, and then I'm like, okay, yeah, this, our generation seems the type of generation we acknowledge what it is we acknowledged what it was mm-hmm. but we just kept it moving this generation is going to acknowledge it they absolutely and we're not going to just we will never just go just go on flow past any type of thing they'd be like i'm sorry we're not just going to pass this we're going to discuss this and we're going to discuss it right now and ain't nobody got time for that you know what i'm saying Ain't nobody got time for that. Now, to to address your question, how much of it do I think stems from... See? Now, if you were a millennial, we would just stop and discuss that as it is. I need you to be our generation, and let's go ahead and keep it moving. No, no, you asked a question. I, it was just something that... Was, that crossed your mind. Crossed my mind okay, that I vocalized. That I don't want to go down that path, though. I had a conversation with a friend um, the other day, Mm -hmm. um, generally talking about a lot of different stuff and uh, the the black community and and certain things and trying to uh, build and overcome certain things. Mm -hmm. And true enough, she pointed something out that I never thought about it from that perspective before. Because I, I, I express how I've always felt like, yeah, we we are struggling with certain things at times. But, I mean, there's only so much blame that we can shift to say, oh, it's this, is that, is that that's holding us down. Because within the community, we have a lot of issues within ourselves that we are not addressing. Mm-hmm. And in saying that, she also pointed out, well... Where did a lot of those issues come from? Because then a lot of those issues weren't necessarily created by us. They were kind of developed around us. Or created for us. Or created for us. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I could, I could see where, I could see where you're going with that. Mm-hmm. And that is, that is probably true. That, that puts... That puts a whole nother, another spin on it. Mm-hmm. Certain things that we do, certain behaviors that we have, where did we pick that up from? Correct. And, yeah, you could say that there are a lot of things that we do to ourselves that stem from the history mm-hmm. of, you know, slavery and all that kind of stuff. I guess even... Well, I see. I've never thought about it like that before. If, even with beating and disciplining. Well, you know? I see. The thing but, is, I think about them in those ways. But as a person that I can't say, um, as as being a person, um, 
I am a person of color, but I have a lot of, I guess you would say, uh, white passing relatives, the further back my generation goes, Mm -hmm. right? And it's not um, from one where slavery was a... Yeah, slavery was not an issue for them the further back that my family goes. Mm -hmm. So for me, the fact that, you know, that type of discipline is still is still there what is it stemming from is like just like how you said was it is it stemming from that behavior that was displayed towards us as a people or is it just a behavior um that is cultural you, that that still brings up that that whole question because when we speak of is it cultural, how much of our culture is authentic? It depends on where you're from, really. Does it? It does. I think it does. Like what? If you're fr- as far as I mean. As far as a person of color, it really, I think it really depends on where you're from. If you're from a place, a country where your, your race is, you know, the predominant race and that, and your culture is yours, you know what I'm saying? Like, let's say you're from an Asian culture. That's Mm -hmm. your culture. And you know no other except from what you've seen on, or, or what you've been exposed to through media or other other avenues but as far mm-hmm. as your culture that's what it is if you're from um nigeria that's your culture you know what i'm saying you- i get I, I get what you're saying you're right i do agree with that i think i'm going on the origin of that culture because i feel to me i personally feel as a person of color, mm-hmm. regardless of the the variants that we come from and that we are, a lot of our origin was altered. So we're playing catch up in culture as an American, or just as a no, person. No, just of color? as a person of color. But that's because <laughs> that's what I'm trying to say. As a person of color, from where? From anywhere, just as a person of color, Mm -hmm. I feel like there is majority, I'll say majority, Mm -hmm. are playing catch up with culture because a lot of our culture Mm -hmm. was altered. I agree, but I don't... So trying to weed out what is authentic and what was created. Okay, but I definitely think that there are some more than others. There's a lot of cultures that have been able to maintain their origins without without much alterations. I agree. But in, and even as a person of color, and those were some of the things that I was one. You know, whenever I watch certain things on social media, I used to tell you, "It's like, man, I wish we had that." As mm-hmm. uh, yeah, right. As an Af- as an well, I'll say African American, I guess. Um, 
in the United States, we don't have that. We don't. We I, I struggle to say, even technically being born in this country. You're not of this country. Right. I struggle I'm, to say American culture because what is how it? much culture does America actually have being that everybody who was practically here came from something else unless you're unless you're talking about people who are were already here correct here. indigenous people or native people the Indians <laughs> don't know indigenous or natives to this Chris said the Indians they was Indians well he thought he was in India that's what Chris said Chris came over here for some curry and he was wrong. <laughs> he was not. He came got caribou instead. Anyway. Um, but that's what that's kind of what I meant in that okay. regard. It's like they have they have their culture. And um wh- whoever remains, they were able to pass that along and even as 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 people become mixed and as the as the like i said well as i've said previously in conversations with you you know the united states is pretty much a real big melting pot of different types of people and cultures mm-hmm. and religions and things like that and even as people mix all over the world there are still some cultures that have retained certain traditions right. and have been able to pass them down but I had a I always wondered as a African American what are our traditions mm-hmm. that we have been able what can the African American pass down besides trauma <laughs> exactly besides trauma I've thought about that too but in my mindset I'm also thinking the the what has been passed down how much of it is authentic the authenticity that has been able to really last and survive all these years regardless of whatever traveling and whatever alterations and whatever changings and whatever conflict and whatever you know it was still able to push through all of those barriers to this day Mm -hmm. and at the same time I wonder if this is actually legit or was this something that was recently created in attempt in recent I mean like years ago still. like Kwanzaa right <laughs> like recently created in an attempt to to establish some type of tradition right. for for the people so I, you know I exactly. I personally kind of battle between I was that. disappointed about Kwanzaa what did you think that it was more than what it was I didn't know what it was until I looked at it and I was just like oh African American people celebrate Kwanzaa why why do we celebrate Kwanzaa? And I couldn't. No one in school could tell me. You know? It's like well, here you go. Here's Kwanzaa. You don't want to do. You don't want. You don't want to. In some schools, it's being taught now, which is a plus. Right, but then this is one of those things where you're asking about authenticity, and in all actuality, Kwanzaa was created in the new to give a tradition to the. African American. Well, how far back of tradition are you? Were you so attempting? When you say how much of it was tradition, I think that thing was uh, made in the nineties. Okay, when you when you mentioned tradition, I thought you were going to like back back what tribe you came from type tradition. Well, I wish we had that. You know what I'm saying? Like, think of like 
think of the that's what that's what I'm saying. It's not to say that we don't. I just question how much of it is authentic and how much of it might have been altered because we have learned that so much of our culture has been altered. Mm-hmm. It, it, you know, it takes so much to find out, well, is this something that y'all altered too? Or, but I mean, not to, not to completely derail from the main topic, I, I get what you're saying. I never really thought about it like that to see if that played into how we possibly discipline um, our youth or how we treat each other. You know, that, that, definitely, that definitely gave me something to think about. See, according to this, it says here in America in 1966, that's when the U.S. organization adopted the basic principles of the harvest celebrations in Africa. That's here. So since the 1960s, Kwanzaa became a thing here. Right. But it's not particularly to anything, any specific place in Africa. Um, Let's see, Jump in the Broom is another one. So, I mean, all in all, I can say I know I have... Overcompensated in some things mm-hmm. that even you have come back to kind of question me on, and I realize I might have been doing a bit too much, <laughs> and you know it's time to kind of balance it out. Mind you, when I do question, it's from a place where I'm trying to get understanding because, like I said, mm-hmm. I don't have any children, so when I see you do something, it speaks to me in a way where. Well, what happened to you? Mm-hmm. What? Why do you choose to do this way? Or what are you afraid of? Or what are you protecting her from? Those It makes me ask those questions. Because I, I understood where my mother was coming from a lot of the times when she gave me instructions and I didn't say anything because I had conversations with my grandparents who were with me and they're like, look, she works all the time. This is what she does. This is why she can't always be att- attentive like you need her to be. Mm-hmm. So my village was much older, but they were as attentive as they could be, but they definitely told me how to be self-sufficient and to speak. And and I understand that when when you do come to me and it, it brings up those conversations for us to have. Mm-hmm. And like I said, sometimes it allows me to look at things from a different perspective to say, all right, you know what? I think I am doing a bit too much mm. I need to balance this out a little bit more right you know? okay. um, but other things yeah like I've explained to you this is this is why mm-hmm. and this is what I feel you know it needs to be done this way I feel like she needs this and she needs that mm-hmm. and you know I'm trying to go in this direction with her versus how and of course it stems from something mm-hmm. so you know it probably stems from something that me and her father discussed or mm. something that, you know, he experienced that wants to give her something different. Right. Or something I experienced and I want to give her more of an explanation about it. You mm-hmm. know what I'm trying to say? But I definitely want to attempt to do it while she's young and can understand certain things. I think, I think what 
I would say the difference between my mother's generation and my generation is I have a lot of conversations with my mom to understand her and understand why I had to go through some of the things that I did have to go through. Because even at the time, I may not have, you know, asked a lot of questions. I just accepted things as they were. And then as I've grown and I've had experiences, I've come to understand my mother more. But I do have very candid conversations with my mom. But um, those conversations, are they happening now or did they happen before? They happen now. They're happening now. That's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I had I had pretty fairly candid conversations with my mom. But, you know, I, when I was younger, I never talked to my mom about sex because really I wasn't having it. And then when I did start having it, I damn sure did not want to talk to her about it. So, <laughs> so that was then. But now as an adult, and she's an adult, and she's remarried and... I've had conversations about sex with my mother. I've asked her, you know, about relationships that she's had and how she chose or some of the situations and predicaments that she may have found herself as a single woman with children. What, you know, what has she experienced? And and those conversations happen now. But the thing that I was going towards is some things that I bring to your attention aren't really, they're more like questions that I have because I all want us to be on the same page. And I don't want to, as a, as part of your village, I feel like we discuss things and we talk about things. So we have a better understanding of Mm -hmm. each other. And then that definitely helps us to all be on the same page when um, helping each other's offspring to grow and flourish because then we know we're boundaries. We're going to the same goal. Right. Mm-hmm. But we also know where there are some boundaries and where we can fall, where we cannot fall in um, in certain things because we can respect each other's feelings about certain topics. And it does help in, you know, the type of guidance that I can give because I know where my position would be because we have conversations and Correct. you're like, oh, you know, this is where you and her father stand and, you know, and if that's where you you be, you stand, I will stand in that same same area so that there's no confusion because when you have no communication like that, you end up in confusion where, you know, at one house... The kid acts one way, and then at another house, the kid acts another way. Exactly. And even in the same house, the kid can act one way with one parent and another way with another parent. I, you know, I've had that with, you know, other nieces and nephews where it's like with their home and other aunts and uncles, they act one way. But then when they're with me, it's like, no. And then when I hear their parents like, yeah, they don't do that when they're in my house. I don't know why they don't. They sure as hell will be doing it here. Because they know better. (laughs) Point blank. They know better. It's like, why do you... And and sometimes I, I... you know, I've even found myself in situations where I'm correcting kids in front of their parents. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, who are you talking to? And they're like, oh, well... I was like, I don't care what you do at home. You can talk to whoever you want, however you are allowed to at home. But when you're here, absolutely not. I don't care who if it I don't care if it's not me. I don't even care if you're on the phone. What you're not gonna do is do that here. 
I hear that. I hear that. I I agree. I used to be the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, it is still very much in me. However, I have withdrawn myself from other people's children. Mm-hmm. I just, <laughs> I just can't. I just, <laughs> I know where my disciplinary boundaries are. Mm-hmm. And if I see that it is too much, I will. I now prefer to just take that child to their parents and walk away. But, of course, those are for, like, children that aren't mine. You know, my children, my nieces, my nephews, those who I have permission to where you know better. Yeah, you are still under my jurisdiction. That's very true. <laughs> I, I stick by that. Do not leave your children with Tina. They will come back different. Absolutely. Especially if they, they will absolutely come back different. Because uh, Auntie Tina can't. I'll play that foolishness. <laughs> Auntie Tina can't. She functions within a small circle of sanity, okay? Plenty of times I feel like we are absolutely products of how we were raised. Because Auntie Tina acts acts like that elder that just does not have the time nor patience for any form of toddler interaction. I, that's not it. It's just that I You can I don't. talk, but you have a limited time. Get what you got to say. Say what you have to say quickly. We're not here for the hmms and hahs and the get it out. Get it out. Ask what you have to say. Are you finished? Are you finished? Okay. Now, let me address this. <laughs> all the running, all the bouncing, you have a time limit on all of that. Auntie Tina can't take all of that noise and all of that stress. Sit down somewhere. Yes. That's all that happiness is. Oh God, no! <laughs> Shut it down. Shut it down. I I cannot take noise. And 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 let's just say I cannot. Sn- my biggest my biggest pet peeve, if your kid whines about anything, like if I hear mm, if that's how they talk, don't bring them around me. And see, because <laughs> I will. Because real talk, Auntie Tina will go ahead and straighten that. We're gonna have a speech therapy class right now because Auntie Tina cannot. I don't like crying. I do, especially if they're at the age of talking, crying. Not saying that expressing your emotions is not okay, um, because we all feel like the need to cry. Uh, as I've gotten older, I find myself crying more and more, and I'm unable to explain why I'm crying. It's just an emotion that I'm feeling. But I also feel like um, when they're able to talk and, and use their words, it's imperative for their own, to me, I feel like for their own safety once they get out into school and there are people there that do not care about what they feel or how they feel, that they're able to express themselves with the words that they know. I feel like it's so important because if your kid is just cannot express themselves and just cries or moans or throws tantrums, they will be quick to label your child as a behavioral problem. And then And just just to say not not to say that those children who actually have uh, difficulties or certain things that do that, mm-hmm. you know, that you should you should make them, you know, use their words. Of course, you work with them if you can, well, but not not like not like those 
children there, there's who a completely are different correct there, I'm we're not, not just, we're not speaking about yeah no no right. no no when we're, we're talking, talking about, about kids who know better and who could talk but they're just trying to get away right from i'm not i'm not even necessarily i am i'm talking about that <laughs> I, I, like children that that do fall somewhere on the, on the spectrum, even the nonverbal um, children that may fall on the spectrum. You, as a parent, I feel like have a responsibility of helping them figure out a way to express themselves. It's not yes, yes, right, yes. right. It it doesn't. I, I was gonna say you and a therapist or whomever to help you for those children right. who do but I'm, fall I'm, on the spectrum. Right. I'm saying there's a responsibility to work on something, finding a Correct. way to have your child express themselves. And when I say express themselves, I don't necessarily mean verbal. Um, I don't, I don't mean that they have to be able to talk. I'm just saying they have to be able to express themselves so that they are understood because it will help them as far as develop. you know, de- right? It'll mm-hmm. help them develop, and then it'll also help the people that are around you. Because I honestly think it does take a village, and I, I never understood why some people would keep that kind of information to themselves when you know that your child is suffering with some type of of not necessarily suffering, but they are having a developmental difficulty, and instead of recognizing it and saying, "Look, you know." Well, I, my, you know, I recognize that my child doesn't, you know, has a, a difficulty with this type of behavior, you know, to your family, it would help them understand better what you as a parent are going through. I mean, this absolutely doesn't apply to everybody and sure. everybody's situation. There are also the stigmas where, you know, what happens at home stays at home. Right. But then. And I think that in itself has has also played a role in in how we approach and how we carry out certain things that you know certain things would help if we were to open it up Mm -hmm. a little bit but especially like i've i've had so many questions for like the elder generation in my family that just they don't open up about nothing there's things till this day that my mother does not have the answers to about her own childhood and it's just like you know is it's just to me i feel like it's saddening it is because then you end up in a situation where the parent is ill equipped to handle the situation and then anybody who wished to help that parent can't because they're ill informed about the situation so everything there's no communication if and then the child suffers mm-hmm. you know and it, it it's all, you know, it's really about the child is or understanding your child the best that you can. Um, but, you know, that was that was besides the point of what I was trying to say is if your kid can talk and they they have no problem telling you about everybody else's business, then I should never hear your kid whine. Period. They should be able to express themselves about their own business, is what you're saying. That is correct. I get that. I don't like crying. I just, I understand tantrums. I just, I can't, I can't do the crying, especially the loud, obnoxious, I want everybody to hear me cry. I know the difference between crying because I'm sad and the emotion, and sometimes that one comes out pretty, pretty loud, and some, it, it 
it ha- it goes through it it goes through motions. It's like a wave, you know. It starts off kind of low, hits a high peak, comes back down. It's up and down. But that one where it's just hollering because you want to annoy the hell out of well, your parents. I'm sure that that is not the reason. I've had one child do that, and they and they never did it again because they were upset at me. Because they asked me to do something, and I said, not right now. You know, we got to do this. And I didn't give an option. You know, I, a parent, people like to give kids options. I, I understand that. Give your kids options. Let them feel a part of it. But then sometimes I feel like sometimes they have to deal with the fact that they're not going to have an option. This is what it's going to be. Right. I don't, I personally don't think children should have an option all the time. <laughs> right, right. It's too many options. Right. Or even pro- or even provide me with one. If I said, you know, hey, we're going to do this. Don't hit me with, well, what if we... I, I've been around where it's like, you know... And there are certain situations that still shock me to this day. Uh, yeah. I can remember what something that changed me before I even had kids. Mm-hmm. I had watched a friend at the time... Um, she had she had disciplined her child, mm-hmm. and then soon thereafter, she apologized to the child, mm-hmm. and I was in awe. <laughs> I was just like, "You apologized? My parents have never apologized yes, to me did. for nothing. Yes, they did. Just no, not with no. the look. I'm sorry. They no. come to. You, Are you hungry? No. Uh, see, dinner's ready." <laughs> That was different. Come go wash your face. That was that was different. That was like how no. many how many times did your parents say I love you? They might not have necessarily said I love you, but they made sure you had clothes, food, and a roof over your head. That was love. That You're was not, the I love you. See, you it's weren't not the same. Already, you weren't listening. <laughs> it wasn't the same. I had to ask questions when I witnessed this. See, you don't. And when she, when she explained it to me. Mm-hmm. It changed so much for me that I think that also helped aided me in what I would hope to do once I actually did have kids. Mm-hmm. She explained how, yes, the child was wrong and she disciplined the child, but it was how she did it that she embarrassed the child in front of everyone when she just disciplined her like that, that she apologized to the child. And she went into showing how, you know, it's, 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 a, it's allowing the child to know that their feelings also matter, but for, to talk to them through it so that they understand why certain things happened and how... It was a whole thing. Okay. But it was quite eye-opening. Not to say that I... I don't, I don't recall if I've ever apologized to my child because if I've done it, I've done it. And there's a reason why I did it. Point blank, period. <laughs> you be like, I told you I was going to do it. <laughs> I give, so I did. There's no reason for me to apologize because I give plenty of warnings before I actually do so. So if it happens, you already know the reason why it happened. I'm going to be honest. I've had to learn to start giving warnings because then it be- I became reflexive. Like I'd work off a reflex and I'd be like, well, not my kid. <laughs> not my kid. Let me warn you. Hey, you got one more time <laughs> before my reflex kicks in. But but talking to her and seeing how she explained that, I think is what helped me to say, you know what, I want to be able 
to to not only discipline my children but discipline them and explain to them so they understand why they are being disciplined it's not just a i'm gonna beat you just to beat you and call it a day but if you have the understanding as to why this is happening there mm-hmm. is a better chance of you possibly not doing it again not to say that that is successful and but it takes time right and i also agree on that i've also learned that i do when i've done my corrections i have explained my corrections i i've i've come across one of my nephews who is one of those that asks questions and i have learned that when i explain things to him and it makes sense he's on board Mm-hmm. with things. You see the difference. And I was like, oh, okay, so that's how I deal with you. And I learned I don't, he, do, he doesn't do well with uh, eye contact. He doesn't, he can't focus on what you're saying that way. So he'll fidget. And I had to learn that's how he, he is. It doesn't mean he's not listening. It doesn't mean he's not listening. and doesn't mean he's not paying attention. It doesn't mean he's not going to ask you a question. So I had asked him to do something, and his brother was there, his older brother. And he was like, oh. He, he started, you know, getting kind of, I think it had to do with some chairs. I told him to move some chairs, and he's like, oh, but if I, I and he just started, you know, spazzing, and then, his brother was like, hey, look, just do it. Just do it. You know, just put it over there. And I said, wait, he's thinking there's something that he's not getting. So I asked him, what's wrong? What do you, what, well, he's like, well, if we put them over there, they might fall. I, you know, I don't want to put them over there. They're going to fall. I said, okay, how about we put them here? Is that okay? And he's like, well, why are we putting him there? And I said, well, we still have to, to dress the table. And if the chairs are there, they're going to be in the way. I'm sorry. I would just like to reference once again. Dress the table. <laughs> you can always tell from whence somebody comes from. You have to dress the table. You know this is not no new generation millennial talking when they have to go and dress the table. Continue. Continue. Anyway, <laughs> he understood. He's like, I, I said, well, we have to dress the table and the chairs might get in the way. So we'll put the chairs after we finish dressing the table. He said, oh, okay, no problem. What did he do? Put the chairs where, they, where I asked him to put them. It was just an, it, it was just an issue of making sense mm-hmm. to him. And I've noticed that if I, if I approach him in that way, when I give him a direction that's contrary to what he wants to do, because what he wants to do makes sense. And, and, we'll, and you telling him not to do it doesn't make any sense. Well, why can't he do it? And that's just him in, in that sense that I deal with him. The other ones, um, not so much. You know, if I tell him, hey, jump, you just jump and then ask me how high. Was that high enough? You know, there, there's so many things that I feel. I mean, regardless, as individuals, we are forever growing forever changing and evolving Mm -hmm. that you know there's always something to learn even Mm -hmm. if it comes from kids right right and i feel like that's where these conversations and everything's come from that i know i have attempted to change certain things of how i i experienced growing up and granted how i experienced my childhood might not be how my parents experienced 
mm-hmm. how they were disciplining me, right. you know? But those experiences have definitely changed how I now treat the children around me. Mm. And in those conversations, like you even said with your nephew, it even teaches me something in talking to them because just because they're young doesn't mean they don't make sense. Correct. And I think a lot of times age will rule out a child. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't That's know what I you're talking about. Right. You don't know what this, you don't know about that, you don't know about that. And they might not need to get 100% of the picture for them to actually make sense of one piece of the puzzle that you as an adult didn't see. And I feel that regardless of how small and minute it is, still give them that chance because it would also give them an opportunity to feel wanted, to feel important, and to feel heard. You know, now everything else around that still takes balance because Mm -hmm. you're not going to be queen on top all day long. Right. But at least you will know that there's something that you do matters, especially in our community. Um, you know, I feel like that is very important for these children to know that they matter. Mm-hmm. And it takes something just as small as a conversation. Even if you get in trouble, we will have this conversation so that you are learning. You know, I'm not just doing this because I don't like you. <laughs> you know, I, I love you, but you have to learn. This is, this, is, this is how we need to appropriate ourselves right now, you know? Mm-hmm. And we go through those lessons. And it's a learning lesson as an adult as well. But we have to give the, these kids a chance. And that's something that is, is changing, I think. Mm-hmm. I remember with one of the, the conversations that I had where, you know, you establish a boundary with kids. And they were like, oh, well, that's sending a mixed message. I said, no, it's not sending a mixed message. It's letting them know that there's a boundary. We're all good here, but if we move over here and I say stop, I mean stop. And they're like, oh, but you were all cool with it when you were over here. And I said, yeah, yeah. And now I'm not. And that is how people are. Mm -hmm. That is exactly how people are. And they have to understand that it's not always on. We're not always, let's play, let's play, let's play. Mm -hmm. People have a boundary and, and they have a limit of what they can withstand. And if they're doing it, they, you know, if they're there and they're in it with you, if they want to stop, it's because they want to stop. And you have to understand that. You have to respect that other person's. Not all people grow up with that. Right. And it's like, oh, well, that's just confusing. And I said, life's confusing. Life is confusing. Because a, a, a person's feelings can change from moment to moment. They may want to play this and then 30 seconds later not want to play it anymore and play something else, but they still want to play. That is a person. That is something that you have no control over and you have to understand and you have to respect that. And then if they jump back and want to play with you, that is exactly what people do. And you have a choice on if you also want to continue to play or not. Correct. I mean, at the end of the day, as a parent or as a guardian, as an aunt, as an uncle, as a father, what have you, you want to be able to teach your child how to be able to manage and survive in this world. And that comes with all of these different scenarios. Correct. We can't just teach them one particular thing or have them run off thinking that every, one particular thing right. once they hit that real world on life hits and it's not what they're familiar with 
it becomes a difficult. Yeah, I I agree. It's 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 like a setup for failure, and I and I hate to see kids set up for failure. Shoot, I hate to see adults set up for failure. <laughs> yes, I just hate failure in general. But <laughs> you know, I hate to see kids set up for failure due to choices that they did not have any control over, like choices right. being made for them. Mm-hmm. They didn't have any control over it, but they pay the price for it. I hate to see that. People. I would say people, not just kids. I'm well, I think we are talking about I'm kids going to stick talking. with okay. the kids. Okay. Uh-huh. Kids. People, as, as children grow and evolve, they start to make their own decisions. You would hope so? Yes. The growth is not only by age alone. Well, no one said that. There and are I, people, uh, plenty did, people out here who I have also not did grown the word past. I also yeah. did use the word evolve. Uh huh. Uh-huh. They ain't do that either. Right? But okay. All right. okay. All right. I'm not asking them to grow gills and swim. Um, <laughs> and, you know, transfer from water to to land whenever possible. I'm just saying, as people grow, they start. Hopefully, you would hope. There you go. They would start to make their own decisions. Mm-hmm. And then although I do hate to see them fail, their decision carries with it whatever price that they chose to pay. So that is that. But mm-hmm. what, what I'm saying is I feel like children are in a situation where they're supposed to be protected and the, the part of the family or the supposed village that it took to raise that child is their responsibility is to protect that child, not only keeping them from the bad things in life, but letting them know that they exist Mm -hmm. and that they're vulnerable to them. Because if you don't teach them that they are vulnerable, then they'll find out that they are vulnerable. And that they are the world. Okay. And they are... (laughs) All right. You didn't even let me finish. We are the world. And they are the children. They are the one to make a better place. So let's start. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. (laughs) And on that note, I hope hope we were able to. to, I'm I'm not even sure if we stayed on this topic. We covered quite a bit. But we did talk about childhood trauma. We did. We We did did talk about trainings and how how things are and how they, they all may come affect. together and they all work with each other. That is correct. The same way, you know, a village works with the raising of a child. So thank you for joining us on today's show. We hope that you were able to take something away from today's show. We hope that it sparked some conversation between you, maybe your children, maybe your nieces, your nephews, maybe your parental units whatever as long as they as long as you guys are able to have some dialogue if you're not with them feel free to have it with us on our many social media platforms on instagram the dialogue podcast facebook the d pod and twitter the dialogue pod one all right look at that we are trying to be more social so feel free to reach out to us and we will try to reach reach back back glad I didn't say the word touch because then it would have had a bit of pause, but whatever. 
that's us today. So we're that us today. That's us today oh. is what I said. Oh, that's not what you heard though. That's, that's not, not what you heard. Uh huh. But you know what I heard most of this? A lot of breathing. A lot of heavy breathing. If you notice, he is out once again, and but not near the mic this time. <laughs> Thank you again for tuning in. And as always, stay safe, stay blessed. Talk to your kids. Please. <laughs> Don't let on team have to. <laughs> Don't want Marie up in there. <laughs> My hands are quick. <laughs> Won't even see it coming. My reflexes, baby. I learned to duck and I learned to swing. <laughs> Very early. <laughs> Um, she don't care how old your kids are either. <laughs> do not. It's a reflex thing. I don't know what to say. But yes. They will learn. Have some dialogue. Let them know before we do. Okay? <laughs> have, a, have a good day.